Welcome back to the We Communications podcast. I'm Matt Ashworth, the general manager for the company's Seattle office, and today I'm here with We employee Chrissy Vaughn and guest Jeff Tazalar from Dow Chemical. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Uh, today we are going to talk Hello, about Matt. their recent trip with the Global Pro Bono <laughs> Experience. The Global Pro Bono Experience is a WE program that partners with an organization called Pixera to send employees on a four-week, in-country, skilled volunteering excursion. Here at WE, we are in the business of storytelling. We're fascinated with technology and its influence on people, brands, markets, and media ecosystems around the world, including Ghana. So thank you for joining us as we explore Christy and Jeff's experiences and hear about what communications, nonprofits, and business is like in Accra, Ghana. So Jeff, quickly tell us uh, a little bit about Dow Chemical and uh, sort of the organization's interest in this program. Sure. Dow Chemical is a 119-year-old science and technology company um, that has a long history of uh, community and and corporate citizenship. Um, So within, uh, within Dow, we've been partnering with Pixera Global. This is our second round with the Global Health Corporate Champions Program. Um, We also do a a similar uh, program with our young uh, and -and up-and-coming leaders called Leadership in Action, uh, where we send uh, 40 uh, emerging talent uh, folks uh, into different regions. Uh, We've done, um, in the past, we've sent folks to the Philippines this year. The team's going to Vietnam, which uh, sounds like an amazing experience. Um, We've also uh, partnered uh, over the years with Habitat for Humanity, uh, having built over 50,000 homes uh, since our engagement started many years ago, and uh, have a strong commitment from our leadership team uh, on STEM ambassador program uh, and, and inserting our local talent uh, in the communities we operate to uh, to various schools to, to highlight the need for STEM education. And as part of our uh, aggressive 2025 sustainability goals, uh, we've committed uh, uh, externally uh, to positively impacting over 1 billion people over the next 10 years through these types of programs. So. Uh, Dow's commitment uh, to corporate citizenship is is really very impressive, and it, uh, as an employee who's just had a chance to go to Ghana and, and actively participate in this, it, it makes you proud of the company. So, guys, to start out, tell me a little bit about this trip. What? Uh, give me the background on the global pro bono experience, Chrissy, and then um, let's talk a little bit about Pixera and uh, how that organization worked with us to make this happen. Sure thing. So this was actually Wee's very first time participating in a global pro bono program. And I know um, Jeff and Dow Chemical have actually had quite a bit of experience with other cohorts doing similar work in, um, in the country and in, in the continent of Africa. Um, Pixera was actually the partner that we worked with to, um, to essentially connect us with the NGOs on the ground. They have the in-country experience, but they also have the experience um, working with companies who want to have their employees participate in this type of pro bono work. And they really see a, kind of a triple benefit. They call it a triple bottom line when they, when they think about these programs. So the positive impact on the employees themselves, so me and Jeff, yeah. um, the, the impact on the businesses, so We Communications and Dow Chemical, and the two other companies, SAP and PIMCO, that were there with us as well. And then probably the most important is the impact on the community and the NGOs that we were getting to work with. Gotcha. 
Uh, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about the NGOs you worked with? What kind of work, what kind of organizations were you supporting while you were there? Yeah, so uh, the the 13 participants are, are business consultants uh, from PIMCO, Dow Chemical, We Communications, um, and SAP were uh, essentially dropped into Ghana and aligned to four different NGOs. Um, Chrissy and I worked with the Ghana Registered Midwives Association. Uh, there were groups aligned into uh, water and sanitation efforts, uh, so an NGO of NGOs in the region. Um, there was a, a youth development as well as a, another organization that uh, was looking at uh, health uh, and safety from a, a future generation standpoint. So a very diverse group of uh, consultants from technologists to finance to communication. So um, we were brought in to tackle different uh, problems uh, or opportunities with each of the associations. Uh, with GRMA, um, which is the Ghana Registered Midwives Association, uh, we were brought in initially to focus on their uh, communications and, and uplifting um, and, and rebranding the organization. And as we worked with the the executive committee and, and the national council, it became clear that there were some work processes and, and opportunities to, uh, I'll say, update uh, the, the not only the communication, but also their uh, the way their association operated. Gotcha. So let, let me make sure I got this straight. Four different NGOs that you supported down there, and there were um, four different companies that, that went down there. There was Dow, PIMCO, SAP, and WE. What was that like, I guess, just with that group of folks all coming together, uh, different companies, different backgrounds, um, and how did that play out? I think for me, it was also fascinating. We had four different countries represented. Um, we had people from Germany, the UK, China, and the US. So, And then, obviously, the local Ghanaians. So five different dialects of English that we were working with. And as Jeff was saying, the, the skill sets that everybody came with actually complemented each other because we were all experts in our field, but when we came together to work in a team, we were able to do things that we never could have done in our individual roles. So these NGOs had varying problems, but we were all able to work together as a team to help them solve them, and I don't think that would have been possible if it was just a communications team going right. in, just you know an operations team going in. Right. Analogous, I think, to client work or any right. situation we're in, that right. communication is one tool, but... Um, isn't the solution right. to all of the challenges. Yes, exactly. Um, and you two specifically worked with the Ghana Registered Midwives Association. That's right. That's right. So, yep. Jeff, you want to tell us a little bit about what specifically did you do to support that organization? Yeah, so, so GRMA, um, as an association, represents the midwives across all of Ghana, uh, as well as represents those midwives up to uh, international organizations. And, and so um, we worked to revamp and, and rewrite their operating constitution. Um, we created clear lines of accountability up to that executive council. Um, as well as is down to the membership and, and created a whole dues collection process. Um, 
as well as an operating procedure for how and, and where they conduct their meetings, uh, how those function, um, accountability in those, um, and, and then uh, where Chrissy uh, really and Hugh came in uh, really to focus on what was the messaging. Um, there was the, the messaging that uh, they were currently relying on was very dated, um, very confused. Um, mm-hmm from a end user standpoint. So as we did our stakeholder analysis, uh, which took a, a, a good portion of time, almost half of the time we were uh, in Ghana, we had a, a chance to meet with national stakeholders. So we met with the first lady of Ghana, we met with the nurses in uh, midwife college, uh, uh, the minister of health, um, and, and then uh, additional external contacts. We went out to um, uh, maternity homes, uh, both public and private, um, and, and really had to break down to understand where the challenges were, what the messaging was, what the value proposition was uh, for its members, and why would they uh, feel compelled to pay dues. And so um, very much in the Ghanaian culture, it, it, a lot of face-to-face meetings, um, uh, a lot of verbal um, and oral communication to to get down to the the root of the problem. Yeah, and I think for me, what was interesting is I saw some analogous things with clients that we see here in the U.S. and that JRMA is an 80-year-old organization, and they suffer from some of the same things that even some of our tech clients say. You know, we've been around for a long time. We're the best. Right. But if you don't continue to show every day why you're the best and the value that you bring to your whether they are members or customers, then competitors will come into the landscape. And that's what had happened with the Midwives Association. Um, And they were collecting, I think we calculated 4% of the dues from their members, or 4% of their members were paying dues. But they also really didn't know how many members they had because they didn't have business processes in place to track them. So, (laughs) um, And what we were actually seeing in Ghana in general is that it has has moved from being a low-income developing country to a middle-income country. And that sounds great. Um, in general, it is great because it means that the country is developing. But if the country hasn't figured out a way to um, work without aid money, um, it's not sustainable. And so as an example, micro micro example is GRMA was subsisting off of USAID money that was going to run out at the end of the year. So, you know, if we didn't help them while we were there, they were literally not going to be able to turn their lights on after wow. the end of the year. Right. And so we were trying to help them run their business as a successful organization um, without d- depending on aid. Right. And I think one of the things we were chatting about earlier is the part of the reason this organization is so important in Ghana is yep. one of the differences between there and the more modernized world That's is that right. midwives are delivering a big about 70 to 80 percent of the babies will be delivered. Yeah, and most women in the country won't even see a doctor unless there's a complication. So they play a super vital role to both the mother and infant survival, which um, Ghana is actually very, very interested in hitting the sustainable development goals. And um, child and infant mortality is one of those big goals that they're really focusing on. So this organization provided a really, really important service in that way. Gotcha. Jeff, you mentioned uh, meeting with the First Lady. I would love to hear a little bit more about what that was like. Yeah, so we had the uh, the opportunity to, to – so that Ghana went through um, a new elect or an election uh, at the beginning of the year and a new 
uh, president was brought in. Um, so we had the opportunity as a, to join the executive council uh, in a face-to-face -face meeting with the first lady uh, to, to really bring forward uh, the importance, as Chrissy mentioned, the Millennial Development Goals. Um, they're putting a significant uh, push from a, a governmental level uh, into meeting those goals. And so midwives play a critical piece of that, and the associations across midwives is very fragmented today. Um, there were There's a public association, there's private, there's the 80-year-old GRMA, and they're all competing for members. And, and one of the key messages that uh, we had pushed forward was it needs to be a united front as they are the first line of, of health care for uh, infants and, and mothers across the country. So it was a, a very interesting to go in and, and sit down and really see the, I'll say, the, the legacy messaging um, as we, at that point, we were two weeks in, I believe, um, and so they had leveraged a lot of their original messaging. And, and before we had a chance to um, uh, revamp it. So it, it was a, a tough meeting to sit through, especially uh, with the experience we have uh, from the developed world and, and how we would present. Um, Chrissy, I think there were probably 20 plus people in this meeting. Just um, from our side, just from the, the, the GRMA side. Just oh. from our side. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the delivery of the messaging was um, uh, less than ideal. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think it gave Chrissy and, and Hugh really an opportunity to to coach and train uh, on on best in class uh, techniques and giving these types of uh, of presentations and, and developing the content properly. Yep. Gotcha. So you get to uh, put on your resume that you provided uh, media training, presentation training to the First Lady of Ghana. Well, to the people that present to the to First the Lady of Ghana. To the people that present, right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just almost as good. Yeah. So you guys both have mentioned messaging yes. a couple times. Yep. And I just think it's fascinating that similar to organizations we work with here, what they needed to do was make sure they had a fresh current story yeah. and that helped them stand out against other people you know, that we're competing for the same yeah. dollars. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about once you helped with the messaging, what's the media landscape like there? Yeah. You know, how, once you had the story refreshed, what was the path to get it out there? Yeah. So what was interesting, um, just going back to the actual message, on the very first day we were there, there was a very energetic midwife. She was actually a policewoman who said in our first meeting, if the soup is sweet, they will pull their chair up to the table. And that kind of provided our, our beacon for the whole time we were there because it's really all about... Um, you know, making something that someone wants and then they will come to you. And so um, it was all about the value proposition and how to communicate that. So once we were able to um, kind of figure out that that was a core problem that they had, um, we did lots of different things. Um, we, we actually got their website up and running while we were there. We designed new brochures and roll-up banners um, to help them talk consistently. But what's interesting about the media landscape there is um, it was a little different from what I expected. Um, most of my clients today, they, they're, they're saying, go get me coverage. Go get me an interview. Go get me on TV. Right. It's actually easy there. <laughs> um, they have a lot of different media outlets. Um, it's, I would say, more quantity over quality. Um, one of our midwives, the day before I did her training on media training, was um, she was on TV talking about, of all things, vaginal health, huh. which 
was surprising. She, you know, they just call them up and they, they get on TV. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily the, um, the ability to get media coverage that they were looking for. It was more of an internal communications to their members and how to, um, to communicate the value of what they were providing because they actually provided great service already, but no one knew about it. So we ta- we focused a lot on social media channels, okay. um, which they use a ton of Facebook. They use Twitter. The first lady has an Instagram handle, but really they use WhatsApp a lot. And um, our our uh, our midwives that we were working with on the board, they were going out to schools and talking to students. They were going out to private maternity homes and doing audit assessments. But no one actually knew what they were doing. So they were sending these pictures amongst themselves that they were taking and seeing, like, oh, look at this great work. Mm-hmm. They weren't sharing it out. And so we worked with them a lot on um, social media best practices because most of the women on the board were actually older. And they had very similar millennial perceptions that we do today here. And, um, you know, the, the, that the younger girls were just distracted by this social media thing. Right. Um, that they, they weren't interested in participating or they were even lazy or entitled, things like that. And so, but they're the future of the organization. And so we tried to teach them the importance of embracing these new modes of communication to get the message out there. And then in general, the other external stakeholders, like a first lady or the Ministry of Health, um, more of the government, NGO, people that might be giving them money. We helped them um, present themselves professionally, provided PowerPoint templates so when they go on the road, they have a consistent look and feel, that they're always um, presenting themselves and using key messages that really resonate and land. Um, so that's really kind of the, the modes that we were pushing out. But it really wasn't focused on getting TV or media coverage, right. which is usually what you would expect. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah it's rare that you have... Uh the opportunity to put somebody on TV kind of right. whenever. Yeah. Did, did the media do the media channels reach a good part of the population or as part of the problem that yeah, they don't? Yeah, they actually do. So TV, if you're in um, like a, a city like Accra is a very developed city and they have a couple main TV networks that actually are very news focused. They're very social impact focused. Okay. So they're covering politics, but they're also covering social issues like the things that the midwives do. Um, otherwise, radio is super important, and they have a lot of local radio stations that cover this stuff quite extensively. Um, for example, I, I did a media training with the president or the organization. The next day at our closing ceremony, we had Africa TV there, and she did an interview on camera. So it was great to be able to see her apply the skills that I had taught her the previous day, yes. and night and day better. She was, she was improved, yes. so it was great. Awesome. <laughs> you can vouch for that, Jeff? Yeah. It was an immediate impact. Um, it was it was pretty cool to see that. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot in the media training that uh, Chrissy gave, and and then to be able to stand behind the president and hear her in that interview referencing our key talking points and referencing, um, you know, where they're going and and some upcoming events and in the Facebook. Uh, page and and it was just really exciting to see it come to life and really while we were there before we left the country so uh, an immediate impact for them that's terrific another thing that kind of stood out while you were talking Chrissy is earlier Jeff you mentioned the importance of face-to-face meetings in the culture and then I think sometimes that's at odds with the younger generation and digital technology Um, so how did you get them to understand the need, especially maybe the more decision makers in the organization, understand the need 
to build these social media programs and communicate with stakeholders, you know, through that mode when they couldn't sure. be in person with people. Um, I think, yeah, I think okay. yeah, it, Jeff, where it hit home for me, and, and I'll jump in and Chrissy, uh, um, you know, come back in. Um, to me, the, the opportunity was they were already out doing things in the community. They were taking pictures um, and sending them amongst themselves. They just weren't putting them on either Twitter or Facebook. Um, and so part of it was, hey, you're already doing this take it one step further and, and you'll get that reach. Uh, we also went out um, and purposefully uh, brought into the, the board as well as, as in our stakeholder analysis, went to young midwives and, and asked how they wanted to be communicated with and, and, and brought that into our recommendations going forward as they weren't going to the website, um, the, the WhatsApp groups that uh, they had created weren't getting out to the right people necessarily. And so um, there was one very energetic uh, young midwife that said, hey, we've instituted this in one of the regions. It's working really well. We're seeing growth uh, in our in our uh, uh, WhatsApp group and in the community, but she was actively managing it and, and so and actively putting out relevant messaging uh, to the group um, so it was part of it was just uh, I'll say institutionalizing the business processes with the technology I see that's interesting that they it sounds like they were using the technology that was available to them mm-hmm. but they just needed help on how to move from sort of a, a closed ecosystem of people they were sharing it with to and scale. broaden that out to scale yeah. it to people who could make an impact yeah. on the organization. Yeah. Maybe that's a good segue. Talk talk a little bit about technology and the technology yeah. landscape there. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm guessing that smartphone adoption growing growing and yep. is probably more prevalent than PC and laptops. Yes. I know that's true in a lot of yes. parts of Africa. Yep, yeah, it absolutely is. Uh-huh. Um, and we noticed that email is certainly not used like we would have thought. You know. I think in our culture, Jeff and I both, in our companies, we send emails all the time every day. Yes. And if you send an email there, you don't expect it to get answered. Interesting. Um, I would send a meeting That sounds request. a little bit refreshing, doesn't it? Maybe <laughs> right. just a touch? Yeah. All right. So, but that face-to-face was super important. So, if I scheduled a meeting, um, I sent it in Outlook to put it on people's calendars, but then I had to follow up with a WhatsApp message with the details to make sure people got it. And then I actually picked up the phone and called people or, you know, reminded them in person. Um, and that's just how it operates. They also operate on Ghana time. So it's a very loose definition of time. So um, meetings in general st- can start an hour late. People might not ever show up. If you book it for an hour, it might go for two hours. That's fine. If you miss okay. other meetings, it doesn't matter. But in terms of technology, um, yeah, a lot more smartphones actually than I expected. The cell service was actually pretty good even in a lot of the remote parts of the country. Um, but I will say the road infrastructure made it difficult um, to get, you know, af- af- after you get outside the city itself, it did make it difficult. So kind of going back to those face-to-face things, the, the organization was relying on monthly in-person meetings to communicate to their members. Mm-hmm. And we went to one, and there was about 20 people who came. Well, they're claiming they have, you know, over a 1,000 members. So that's not a way to effectively communicate with your members. And so being able to then use technology to take what is being shared at the monthly meetings and broadcast it out. So 
so people actually can get there. A lot of it was the social context that you have to think about. So if you're asking these women who run their own private maternity homes, which is a business, to take a full day of travel to go to a meeting once a month because it takes that long to get to some of these places, um, hours and hours and hours on really bad roads, um, their maternity home will shut down for the day. Um, or these young midwives, they're on government, um, they work for government hospitals. They have shifts. They can't take a full day right. off of work to go to a meeting. And so that's when the technology comes in um, to augment the face-to-face. And that's so important in order to scale their, their communication. That's fascinating. Their members. That yeah. the technology is literally yeah. to bridge a gap when you can't physically get somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would just add one more that jumped out to me was mobile pay. Mm-hmm. Or, or mobile money, it it was prevalent. So we still in in North America, I would say I've just scratched the surface with whether it's Apple Pay or or any of the other payment services. Um, it was prevalent throughout the country. You could go to a street vendor and use mobile pay uh, to pay for an item uh, on you know on the side of the road. Interesting. Um, so it was very. Very interesting where they've leapfrogged, and yet um, uh, for for those of us uh, traveling to Ghana from the U.S., uh, credit cards were not used anywhere. No. Um, so okay. it was either cash or mobile pay, and, and they leapfrogged that whole generation of technologies and, and card services. Interesting. I don't, I'm guessing that's maybe they didn't have the infrastructure for the sort of credit Processing that and just kind of mobile made it easier. Yeah, most of the vendors we saw just didn't have, they didn't even have credit card machines at all. That's really interesting. So we, I didn't swipe my credit card once there. I used used cash the whole time I was there. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, And you said the cell networks were pretty well built out or was a lot of this over Wi-Fi? Pretty, the cell networks were actually probably better than the Wi-Fi. The okay. Wi-Fi was inconsistent. Um, I we, we always joked we were working in a conference room in our hotel, and if somebody was uploading their pictures for that day, it just brought the whole Internet down. So <laughs> gotcha. we were, who broke the Internet? Um, <laughs> One attachment then, at a time. And then I would quickly, you know, stop the syncing, and then it would come back up. So, um, but our, you know, our organization had Wi-Fi. Um, one of the other foundations that a team was working for didn't have Wi-Fi at their office at all. So they were working without internet. So definitely some constraints to think about um, when you're doing that kind of thing. But sending big files was not an option um, because just the Wi-Fi was there. It just wasn't strong enough. Um, And the power would go out, you know, every um, a couple times every day. Um, Some places had generators, but the infrastructure was just a little bit fragile. Um, but in general, Ghana, and especially Accra, where we were living, was much more developed and, and pretty much had everything, you know, we would need. Gotcha. Yeah. So maybe that's a good uh, time to kind of talk a little bit about what was happening there culturally. You mm-hmm. mentioned in Accra, it's very, it's very uh, sort of built out, mm-hmm. modernized. Um, you guys got the chance to, I think, help build a school or do something maybe more a rural area. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Jeff, do you want to take that one? Uh, sure. So we worked with uh, a group, um, uh, an NGO kind of outside of the four that we had mentioned in the opening called Adanu. 
Um, and Adanu is a, a, a local, I shouldn't say local nonprofit, but they're a nonprofit focused in the uh, in Ghana. Um, they do have some work uh, actually out in Seattle, and I'll let Chrissy fill that one in. But um, they had arranged for us to go to this uh, more remote village, and we had a, a groundbreaking ceremony. We had a, a processional into the village of about a mile with traditional um, uh I'll say a parade, for lack of a better word, but uh, uh, local dancers from uh, from the the village, uh, the community elders, um, and so we we went in and literally mixed concrete um, on a on a concrete pad. Um, so there was no calling up a a truck to have it delivered, or you know go to Home Depot and get the mixer. Uh, we we did it with shovels and in uh, barrels and. Uh, essentially created a, uh, the foundation for a, a local school there and is and spent the day in the village uh, interacting with the, the children and, and uh, different members of the community, but very, very humbling. Um, I, I remember uh, that evening uh, going back on the bus and just the, the mixed emotions of spending the whole day uh, with um, especially the children um, and the various questions they would ask, whether it was technology or what is it like to ride in an airplane, um, and, and you know, then being overwhelmed with I can't wait to get to an air-conditioned room and get back to Wi-Fi, and and thinking that uh, many of these children uh, weren't going to have that luxury uh, that evening. Talk to me a little bit more about some of the cultural observations you made, and mm-hmm. you know. I'm always got to ask about the food. What what did you guys eat while you were in Ghana? Well, we know what Jeff's favorite meal was. So, Jeff, my go-to uh, in Ghana was a, a dish called jollof, um, which was a uh, think of it like a uh, it was a rice, but with a, a tomato base um, kind of sauce over it. Uh, fairly spicy food. Um, I would compare it similar to. Uh, like the Cajun type of influence, um, and I think the Cajun uh, here in the U.S. heavily uh, uh, leveraged the the West African uh, uh, food scene. So very, very good food. Um, A lot of grilled chicken um, as well as rice and beans, but uh, very good. I would say a fair amount of spice depending uh, uh, on how you like that, but um, I was very... Uh, I, I don't want to say surprised, but very pleased with the food, uh, and uh, uh, across the board, uh, you know, just uh, very good. Yeah. yeah, and lots of plantains, which is you know not something we get a lot here. So a lot of roasted plantains. Okay. They call it kelewele, and um, and plantain chips. And then lots of fish as well, lots of tilapia, because Ghana is on um, the coast, but they have a fresh, big freshwater um, lake system and river system, so a ton of fresh tilapia. Um, the one thing that we none of us were really a big fan of was called fufu, and it was um, uh, they've got a couple of different types of doughy things, and in, in general in Africa, a lot of African countries have similar where you use your fingers sure. to, to take a little piece off and then use it as a vehicle for sauce. Right. The or bread scoops up. The, yeah, and uh-huh. so some of it was cassava, some of it was fermented uh, maize, so just different, a lot of a little bit more sour or bland flavors than we're used to with our American diets. So most of us stuck with the rice and the beans and the the chicken and the fish. Gotcha. How about <laughs> drinks? Was there 
beer and wine, oh, or what's we didn't the kind of drink, the popular? We didn't drink anything. No, no, no we're oh. totally kidding. No, there's there's two local <laughs> beers that are brewed there, Club and Star, and I think um, I think the consistent was consistent uh, opinion was that Club was the way to go. But to go. since we couldn't really drink yep. um, tap water there, yeah, due to health reasons, we uh, we had to stick with. Uh, uh, beer, wine, and, and uh, liquor. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, do they have a lot of Western brands there? Like, are there, you know, Starbucks and McDonald's and all the, in across? No, or? actually, I expected to see more um, in other African countries. I've seen that. We saw one KFC, and that's the only. I mean, we had there was Guinness beer, no Starbucks. I didn't see any other local food chains. Did you see any, Jeff? No, no, I there there was the big three-story KFC and there were a handful of, you know, imported uh both liquor as well as as uh as Christy had mentioned um Guinness, but there there weren't a lot of um what I would consider American influence. Didn't see a McDonald's, which I was very surprised by. Um no Starbucks. Um so so very much uh, local yeah. Even though those things some, sometimes can be indicators of economic growth or development, yeah. I'm always still refreshed when I travel somewhere and those things yeah. aren't there. It's, there are a lot of expat companies there. They've recently discovered oil and gold in the country. Okay. So GE has a huge presence. A lot of the, the tech companies like Samsung, you know, Intel, all of those. Um, Dow has presence there. Um, so there's an area of the city where it's um, it, it looks like, you know, a little bit like, Seattle, like as far as skyscrapers and um, and newer buildings, and that's where a lot of the expats are. Gotcha. So, yeah. Well, what else, guys? Uh, we've I, just to kind of bookend for people. We've talked a little bit about the work you did there to support the uh, the Midwife Association, help them with messaging, and help them reach stakeholders to try to drive donations to augment the work they're doing. Talked a little bit about the technology landscape and the way people communicate. Um, and then I loved hearing from you guys about culture and the food, that whole bit about um, Cajun food being interest, or influenced by uh, this part of Africa was, was new to me. So very interesting stuff. And the pictures Chrissy has showed me make it look very appetizing. But what else? Are there any other stories, insights you'd like to share from your time there before we close? You know, I think one of the things that I learned, especially with this organization, was um, the importance of how to do something. So there had been a group of consultants that came in f- five years prior to us being there and given um, our organization a, a strategic plan. It was about 40 pages. And we were told, actually, when we arrived, that if you don't want someone to take action, you should write it down. Um, and hmm. so we asked them how much of the plan had been done because it was actually a very good plan, and none of it. The answer was none. And so uh, from day one, that really helped us realize that we needed to help this organization figure out how to do the recommendations, which I think as strategic consultants, sometimes we come in and say, okay, here's what you need to do, and then we exit. Right. But really our month was spent there um, on skills training, capacity building, showing them actual processes we visualized everything for them in the way we presented it and we actually printed out huge posters that we put on their walls in their boardroom when we left one was a roadmap to success um, all of these processes that Jeff was explaining about how to collect dues how to run an effective meeting all of these things were visualized for them and then that way they were accountable and actually had the tools to do it and then track the success as well so that was kind of a learning for me um, from a consulting standpoint where 
when you realize that the, the people you're working with don't have the capacity to actually do what you're recommending, you have to build that along the way, gotcha. too. Yeah. Do you have um, folks that you've stayed in touch with? Did you build relationships yes. with people? That, yeah. yeah. Actually, um, I realized that this is the week that's the International Day of the Midwife is on May 5th, okay. and that was a big... Um, kind of inflection point for them and we gave them a list of things to do before that day so I'm planning just today to to check in with them and say okay how's it going Um, but we have um, asked them um, to stay in touch with us we've we've um, actually Jeff um, I'll let you describe how Dow has um, committed to stay in touch as well yeah, so with our, as, as Chrissy mentioned, Dow has a, a local team uh, based in Accra. Um, so we have uh, about a dozen people uh, in the local office there, and, and uh, our country leader for Ghana had um, committed to have a, one of our team members uh, based in the office uh, on a quarterly basis go and, and meet um, and, and continue the dialogue with GRMA to ensure that uh, the work that we put in actually would be sustainable going forward. So uh, a great commitment from the, the country leader to ensure, you know, this wasn't just a, hey, let's send uh, a handful of folks in for four weeks and, and turn our back. So um, really exciting. Uh, I haven't had a report out um, yet on how the meetings have been going, but uh, at least uh, the face-to-face. Uh, but as Chrissy said, we still have an active uh, WhatsApp page and uh, go back and forth, uh, I would say at least a couple times a week, there will be someone sending a message or asking for clarification. That's great. Well, it sounds like an amazing experience for for you guys and those who participated, but also just that, you know, like you said, you're you're building infrastructure for their program that is going to make a difference there. So that's really wonderful. Um, So thank you, Chrissy and Jeff, uh, for chatting with me today. So I'm Matt Ashworth, and you've been listening to Ideas, Trends, and Insights from around the communications world on the We Communications podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud, and talk to you next time. <laughs>